This is a Triple J podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Shake Up. I'm Dave Marchese. Another massive week wrapping up everything that's been happening. Everyone is crawling to the end of the year, right? And I don't know whether you're feeling a bit better because summer's kicked off, the energy has lifted a bit. Hopefully, yes. Wherever you are, you're feeling good. Even if you're not, you're going to love this one. This podcast is packed full of fun stuff. Here's a bit of a taste of what's coming up. Hack. This is a debate raging around the country. The show is facing accusations from a number of contestants of excruciating and horrific shooting conditions. Do you think you could land a plane? Yeah, I'm going bold on this one. On Triple Jack. Yeah, so much in this shake-up for you, and we've got you covered with all the topics, but also all of the great guests. we got a shake-up crew to end all shake-up crews right now. All-stars with you. It's been a while since they've been on, head-to-head, combating. We love to see them. Big names, celebrities, stars, icons of our time. Christian Wilkins, how are you? I'm very well. I was expecting you to introduce Beyonce then. And I'm like, oh, she's here. I'll, I'll make way. The tradition with Christian, the Christian, the tradition with Christian is I always give him many like regal titles. It's like Royal Highness, the Grand Emperor of Yeah. And I will and it's do... always appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't like my grand titles, my exaggeration. Do you, Elfie Scott? Yeah, I'd actually like more, if anything, please. <laughs> Christian, what have you been up to? Because it's been so long since you've been on the Shake Up, but you've been away, you've been overseas, you've been doing so much here as well. How's life going? It's really, really great. I've been living in LA for six months, which was awesome. And then I came back, I wrote a kid's book, which launched last month. Which you was, did? Yes. Give Princess it a Mitchell, my kid's book. Um, it's about a little queer boy that likes to wear a tutu and it's about finding acceptance in each other. And it's very cute. Perfect Aww. time for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> little little stocking stuffer there. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a beautiful book and you've been doing the rounds promoting it. So many people are stoked with what you're doing and the messages you're sending there, Christian. Elfie, what have you been up to? I've not been to LA and I've not written a children's <laughs> book. You've mostly done, been in my house. Yeah, but you've done a bit of travel as well. Oh, yeah, I did go to Japan. That was yeah, delightful. Yeah. yeah, so you've been around, you've been doing some stuff. Yeah, I do stuff. Yeah. Hey, if you of, know me, I Of do course, stuff. she's a girl that does stuff. Yeah. Hey, are we looking forward to the jam-packed show that we've got planned? Absolutely. Love these topics. Okay, let's go. While there is widespread support for the move, not everyone is happy. On Triple Jack. Yeah, should we get rid of single-sex schools? This debate has been going on forever. Everyone's got an opinion on this. But it's kicked off again with the massive backlash that's been erupting after a private boys' school in Sydney announced it wants to go co-ed in the years ahead. And while some people are really embracing it, think it's a great idea, move with the times, a lot of people are not happy. Hack. A group of parents have threatened to take legal action over a decision from Sydney's Newington College to become co-ed. A letter to the school challenges its legal right to enrol girls. If it becomes co-ed, then it fundamentally changes the nature of the college. At Randwick Girls, a chorus among students. It's just hard for some girls in a co-ed world and this is the last single-sex public school in this area. I really would say to parents to keep an open mind on Triple J. Yeah, definitely keen to hear what you think of this one. Do you think there is a place for single-sex schools, that we should keep them, that they're important? Did you go to one? How did you find it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Call in 1300 Remember, you can message in as well, 0439 
Let's get into it. We've got the Shake Up crew, influencer, model Christian Wilkins, journalist, presenter Elfie Scott. Hey, Christian, did you go to a single-sex school? No, I went to a co-ed school and I bloody loved it. Yeah. I was there for 13 years and I just thought it was epic. I think that it really allowed me to foster and become the person that I was. And I think as well with my cohort, seeing girls and boys interact together, I think really leveled them out and kind of made them better humans as a whole. Interesting. I mean, writing the book that you've recently written, it's like some of the messaging in there is about finding your place and, and finding your community and your crew. And I think it, that might be harder for people if they're in a single sex school, right? Yeah, definitely. I think it's easy to fall through the cracks because I think that single sex schools kind of build up to these stereotypes of what that sex is. And if you don't fit that bill, you kind of fall to the wayside. And I think more largely, it's you saw girls and boys interact in a way where they'd pull each other up on silly things that each one did. Mm. And it kind of made them better and more understanding. It's interesting. On the text line, Parker says, I'm trans. Going to an all-girls school was absolutely awful. Somebody else says, I went to a co-ed and a single-sex school. The single-sex school was significantly better and I was way more organised and involved with learning. Interesting take there. Elfie, what's your opinion on this? Yeah, I'm really on the fence about this, I have to say, because yeah. I went to a single sex school. I went to a very snooty or girls private school and <laughs> I loved it because I... Because was snooty? Or? Well, yeah, mostly because I'm a really snooty person. She no. had her <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, I was looking down on you. Um, no, I loved it because I was a horrible student and I know that I would have been a much, much more horrible student had I gone to a co-ed school. Why do you think that? I would have been distracted by boys. I was already distracted by boys and I think that had they actually been in the school, it would have been a nightmare. Do you... Sorry, Christian. Oh, well, I was going to say, do you think that perhaps it would have leveled out the snootiness, though? Ooh. Oh, potentially, yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of, like, weird sexual competition as well, I think, being in an all-girls school. And I think that happens in, like, single-sex schools. Like, people, you know, I don't know, they look down on each other and they get very competitive. But, I don't know, academically speaking, I think that I was a lot more confident and I was a lot more grounded because I went to a single-sex school. But that does not mean that I'm necessarily defending them. That was just my experience. No, it's yeah. interesting. And we've got people... People on the text line saying the same thing. I am interested to hear what you think. Did you go to a single sex school? Was it a good experience for you? Do you think we should keep the single sex schools that are in place now? You can message in 0439757555. Someone on the text line very simply just says it's bad for boys, it's good for girls. And I think that a lot of people might have heard about the research that's been done over the years that has found that maybe girls feel like they can concentrate more in a single sex environment, that uh, they're not getting distracted, that it's better in the long run, they end up doing better. I mean, that kind of research, it do, it's not always backed up because then there's other research that goes the other way. One thing that I did find interesting when I was looking into this was that I found that a study in the US, I think, found that boys are more likely to be involved in the arts and humanities if they're in single sex schools oh. compared to boys in co-ed. And apparently girls are more likely to take on STEM subjects in single sex schools. Did that surprise you, Christian? Yeah, definitely. I would have thought that boys would be more encouraged to take on the arts in a co-ed school and I yeah. feel like girls should always be encouraged to take on main subjects. Someone on the text line says life isn't single sex, so yeah. why are these little pockets uh, around? Why do we allow this? Another person, Chelsea in Melbourne, says, I went to a co-ed school which I loved and they also had two single-sex home groups so that everyone would still have that option. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I wonder whether we just have to change 
the way that we structure schooling and, and think about different ways to, to make people feel comfortable. Like I think more largely, though, the thing that you take away from school is the social aspect to it and like the social relationships and how to interact with people. Like Realistically, we're using those emotional skills far more than Pythag. And I think that when you do go <laughs> to a co-ed school... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I use it all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, you know, when you go to a co-ed school, I feel like that builds up a lot more, which is fantastic. I agree. I know a lot of guys who went to single-sex uh, schools and they also just didn't have female friendships. Yeah. Even, like, well, well into adulthood. I was going to ask, Elfie, did you come out of school with not too many guy friends? Like, how, how was that for you? Strangely, you I always had guy friends. Yeah. And I don't totally know how that happened, but we always had friends outside of school. Um, but, yeah, like I say, I just know so many guys who had the exact opposite experience who just really couldn't relate or, like, empathise with women properly for years and years after school. There's definitely a private all-boys school energy. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting for me because I was telling um, the guys on air before I went to a tiny school. It's like, it's called a central school because it's kindergarten to year 12, right? And so there's only a couple of hundred people from kindergarten to year 12. And so it's kind of funny for me with these debates because I'm like, wow, if you'd made my school single sex or whatever, there wouldn't have been enough students for the school. All three of us. Had everyone in there, had barnyard animals, everyone was joining in. Um, Do you think it's something that's going to be a thing of the past, Christian? Like, do you think as time goes on, we're going to see more single-sex schools make this transition. There's been a big backlash. Like a lot of people have signed a petition. They're saying uh, it's not in keeping with how the school was founded. Like when it was started, it was supposed to be to educate boys and young men. What do you make of that? I mean, so much has changed from when a lot of these schools were founded. Like some of them were founded hundreds of years ago. Are we harking back to all the traditions that happened back then? Yeah. You know, like times have moved on. And as someone texted in, it's we don't have single sex lives. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I guess some people do. <laughs> On the text line, someone says, "I went to an all girls Catholic for seven to ten, and went back to public for eleven and twelve. Going back to coed was the best thing I could have ever done. I think all girls made me way more academically focused. But now I have a lot of challenges with relationships, and wonder if that is because I didn't get high school relationship exposure. Another person, my boys' school suddenly started accepting girls when I was in year ten. Everyone chilled out so much. <laughs> interesting. That's interesting to hear from someone who was part of this transition. Because I was wondering, how does the transition work? Because they're not just opening the gates and that's it. I think what they're saying, Newington, this school in Sydney is that the first girls will join the senior campus in the year 2028, so it's a few years off, and then gradually it will become fully co-ed by 2033. So I wonder what it's like for the first girls to arrive on campus, like, oh, here we go, we've got a a few things to sort out They've got a lot of work to do. (laughs) At least they'll have nice new bathrooms. Yeah, true, true. true. Someone else on the text line, co-ed school was full of fights and disruptions. Kids not respecting teachers, it felt like learning was difficult with all of these challenges and someone else says I worked at a private girls school an amazing school the kids thrived in that environment 
now in a low socioeconomic co-ed school, very different, nowhere near as much drive to succeed and boys are definitely harder to manage. Elfie, have you thought like, you know, if like, I don't know, if you had a family one day, like would you want to send like kids to a co-ed school, a single sex school? Is it? Would you promote either side? Dave, I'd be sending them down the mines to work. <laughs> That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, kidding. I actually yeah. have no idea. I think it really depends on the school. Um, that was a really weird question without notice. You're like, oh, we're into family planning yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly this is happening. Is it because I look really old? No, absolutely happening? not. Um, no, I mean, I think that it would really just depend on the school. I think there are fantastic schools in both camps at the moment, but I would be more inclined to send a boy to a co-ed school, I have to say. Interesting. And what about like specialty schools? Like, do you really get around Christian, like performing arts schools and things like that? You think there's a place for those real specialty kind of schools? Yeah, definitely. And I I think that also schools that kind of isolate people that might have different challenges or interests and kind of encouraging them to take on certain things. I was in a like special group when I was in year six where we focused more on learning through art and stuff like that. There weren't that many people, but isolating those kind of things that might be different challenges for people and sort of letting them thrive in that I think is a really great thing. Yeah. On the text line, someone says, I went to a rural agricultural boarding school, all boys, 600 boys on 200 acres of land. It was the best six years of my life. I couldn't imagine what would happen to the culture if it went co-ed. It wouldn't work. Um, Yeah, interesting stuff to hear. A lot of people, especially, and people might think that single-sex schools are just really big in the city, but they're not, especially in big regional communities. Uh, There's a big tradition of single-sex schools and private schools. Another person says, I went to a single-sex school and got to uni and sat next to a boy in a lecture for the first time and it was so weird. That shouldn't be weird, this person says. Single-sex schools don't prepare kids for the real world. Oh, there's going to be so much more on this one because we are seeing schools start to make this change. It's not just... Uh, Newington College in Sydney. There's uh, Randwick Girls High School in Sydney. That's becoming co-ed in 2025. We had Melbourne's oldest girls school, St Aloysius College, be welcoming boys for the first time this year. Uh, schools in Perth as well, also making the shift. So I feel like we're probably going to be having this chat again in the future at some time. Maybe you two will be here for it. Done. Who knows? Hack going in, I knew it was going to be a really tough experience. On Triple J. Have you been watching Squid Game The Challenge? It's a Netflix reality show going off in a lot of countries right now, obviously inspired by Squid Game, the dystopian drama that was a massive success all around the world. But the reality spin-off, this new show showing people crying, almost vomiting from stress, it's got a lot of people asking, have we gone too far? Or is this just the beginning? Hack. Squid Game is back, but as a game show. A UK law firm recently announced it was preparing a lawsuit on behalf of some contestants who say they were injured while participating in the show. It was 24 degrees Fahrenheit that day, and I was competing in the tracksuit for seven and a half hours. Netflix said they invested in all the appropriate safety procedures. Was it super cold? Yeah. Were people tired? Yes. Did we have to stand for a long time? Also, yes. But we're literally on a game show like it's not that deep if people didn't want to participate in it they could leave at any time on triple j yeah what do you think of this if you love reality tv i'm keen to hear your take is it a really good watch or as some people say is it ethically questionable seeing contestants suffering 
being humiliated on TV. Call in one 36 You can message in to 0439 We've got Christian Wilkins and Elfie Scott with us on the shake-up today. Elfie, first thoughts on this one? I'm very confused as to whether or not the creators of this watched Squid Game because it seems like they missed the metaphor somehow. Like, <laughs> how did they not think about Squid Game being, like, an anti-capitalist critique and then they were like, well, let's just make lots of money by making this reality TV show for yeah. Netflix. And it all, feels a bit on the nose. And the prize money's huge. Yeah. Six million Australian <laughs> yeah, dollars. They're wild. like, yeah, let's really, really, like, hit it up here. Yeah. Christian, what about you? You're, you're a reality TV star. Is this kind of like Dancing with the Stars? A little bit. I was put into isolation early on in the COVID experience and had to dance around a barbecue doing the waltz on a rooftop. <laughs> it was also very cold and very noisy. And people could say similar vibes with contestants suffering and yeah. being humiliated on TV, ethically questionable. I don't know. I mean, there's always a psychologist handy. Well, there should be. That That is kind of the rules with reality TV. And like someone said, if you didn't want to take part, you could leave. Yeah. Okay. So would you watch it? No, I was about to watch it and then I realised that it was reality and that no one died. Oh, right. I felt like that was a very important part of Squid Game. No? Wait, so you, you missed it because You thought it was the sequel. Yeah, like, well, I thought it was the sequel. Oh. I was just texting my sister asking when the sequel was coming out and boom, it's here. Yeah, oh, okay. See, that is disappointing. Spoiler yeah, right. alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Elfie, do you think people really enjoy just watching people suffer on reality TV in the sense that a lot of people are reporting that it's a great watch, but they feel guilty watching it. I am a little bit confused about this, right? Because, like, isn't that the entire premise of reality TV? Like, Do you think it's gotten worse, though? Mm, I, I don't know. I think the envelope continues to be pushed. Like, yeah, it needs to be. Because I remember, like, remember when maths first started, for example, and the whole idea of that, Married at First Sight, people were just going insane, like, this is, what the hell is this show? It's ethically, and now it's just a part of life, and it gets totally. reported on like it's politics or like it's anything. Like, there's so much news coverage of it. People don't even think about it. People are very upset about this one. Do you reckon in a few years it's like, oh, that was pretty... Pretty tame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, God, who knows? Um, But you know what? I think that, like, if you look at a show like Survivor compared to this, are they going to be, like, different in terms of the stress, like the physical stress that they're putting on people? I don't know. Mm, Okay. What do you think, Christian, that we might have crossed a boundary here or we're just still pushing the envelope? I mean, look, again, as I haven't actually watched it, but I, from what research I've gathered, I, I think that the envelope is being pushed, but it's it hasn't crossed the line yet. Okay. Do you think a lot about the contestants on reality shows? Like, if you do watch them, are you constantly thinking about how they're portrayed? Are you a person that gets wrapped up in the narrative, Elfie, and that's all you're thinking about? Or, because you're a journalist and you're often breaking down these kinds of shows and these ideas, are you thinking, oh, there's more to this, I wonder what I'm not seeing? Oh, totally. I mean, I think if you work anywhere near media, you just know how the sausage gets made, so it Mm. just completely breaks the reality. (laughs) Is that the same for you, Christian? It's kind of ruined the experience a bit? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm not a huge reality fan anymore after having worked in media and on reality, just because you know how it's made and you can see the tropes. Is that different Mm -hmm. though? Like, were you, before you started appearing on, like, shows, did you really 
get around it? Did you love things like Big Brother and that that I kind loved of... Big Brother when I was younger, but even looking at like that was sort of the first voyeuristic sort of yeah. show. And now we have um I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, and they're like hop into this toilet and eat this like cow dung. <laughs> you know? Like it's and at first like Big Brother, it was controversial. These people were locked up in a house. What was gonna happen? And now that seems completely tame. Yeah. An Australian who was on this Squid Game reality TV show described it as high school camp mixed with prison. Oh, God. <laughs> to make you want to do it, Elfie? <laughs> <laughs> no. Would you do reality TV? What? No. What do you mean? No, I just would never. Doesn't it depend what on the show? What about like a goggle box? I could see you doing oh, a goggle box. Oh, wow. I would Thank love you so that. Much. Yeah, I feel like you'd have a good critique on things. Um, No, it would just be too vulnerable. I don't want people to see who I am, really. really? That's terrifying. Mm. You don't want them to see your living room? No, God, no. <laughs> that's the worst part of me. <laughs> that's that's the pressure for that one. You're it's in like... a saboteur, essentially. Yeah. Your living room. <laughs> <laughs> on the text line, someone says, contestants on Alone Australia risk severe and dangerous levels of starvation for a pot of money at the end. Another person says, I love watching silly people hurt themselves. That was from Troy. <laughs> Another person says, this show is a total rip-off of what Mr Beast did. Yeah, well, I guess there's, you know, different concepts all around the world. Mr Beast, known for his kind of ideas around this and, and doing similar kind of pranks and things. Mr Beast really is like a little king of psychological torture. Yeah. I don't know how people keep letting him do things like locking people in rooms. I know. The years. ideas keep getting more and more extreme, don't they? I should say that like, yeah, it has been reported that like two contestants are now threatening legal action over alleged injuries that they got while filming this show. But a spokesperson for the show said, no, there's no lawsuit that's been filed. And we take the welfare of our contestants extremely seriously. Um, and all the contestants want to be there, is what they've said. And Kristen, sounds like you're like, well, yeah, if you sign up for it. Totally. And also, if you decide to not be in it, like, they're not actually dying. Right? Did you know when you, the, the <laughs> shows so. that you've done, do you think you had a full idea of what you were getting into beforehand? I, well, when I did Dancing with the Stars, I was very nervous. I remember before we started filming, they wanted to do this thing where they just wanted me to put on a bunch of different outfits. And I was like, why do you want me to put on a bunch of different outfits? Because I, well, I was like, I don't just want to come across like some vapid like oh, kid that's just like yeah, wearing yeah. sparkly clothes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Thankfully, it was like a really wonderful show and a really wonderful experience. And they're like, that's not at all what we're trying to do. But I went into it having, because I worked at Channel 9 doing social media being very scared of what I was going to be portrayed as. Yeah. And what about coming on the shake-up, Elfie? Like, do you feel like you were fully prepared? Yeah. Got a good I briefing? mean, the producers are awful and they really put a lot of pressure on you to expose yourself in ways that I'm uncomfortable with, but that's fine. Producer Hannah's going, not today, darling, not today. Do you think you could land a plane? I don't think I could. Hell no. I struggle with parking a car. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it'd be like a perfect landing. 100%. My dad flies small planes. Do I fly small planes? No, I don't. Definitely think I could still do it, though. There's got to be someone else. Oh, darling, I'm not landing it on the tarmac, that's for sure. On Triple Jack. <laughs> Tyrone. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people got opinions about whether they could land a plane. And you're thinking, why, Dave, are you asking this random question? Could you land a plane? It's because apparently a lot of Americans think that they could. Some research came out earlier this year that revealed a third of adult Americans think they could safely land a passenger plane. Passenger plane. And among the guys, it was even more, almost half, almost 50%. Now, the reason we're talking about it now is a bunch of aviation experts have really 
come out swinging, saying, no, you can't. It's actually very complicated. They've written this big article this week. It's funny because sometimes when you see these articles, they're written by one or two experts, academics. This one had like eight names to it. All these aviation experts saying, we're going to provide the evidence about why you couldn't do it. They're saying you can't always rely on autopilot. It's not as easy as people think. And I want to know, one, if you think you could land a plane, but also, do you have a job that everyone else thinks is so easy and they could nail it, but is actually kind of complicated and there's a lot of skill to it? Call in now, one 300 Best answer wins. Let us know. By the way, you win nothing, just win pride to come on the shake-up on a Friday afternoon. Message in two, 0439 We're asking the shake-up crew. We've got Christian Wilkins and Elfie Scott. Christian, land a plane, yes or no? Hard no. <laughs> I don't even know how to drive. I don't have a license. Like, I don't even have my L's. If I had to, I would give it, like, my 150% best. Like, I, w- I would try and nail it. I just don't think I would have a high success rate. I actually would trust you, Christian, because I think you would try a lot. Like, uh, I feel like I would get a bit overwhelmed and give up and go, oh, well, we've done the best that we can. Um, but I think you would, till the end, yeah. be trying. I would be in there and I'd be like, Mama, get me that captain's hat. <laughs> Put it on. Where are my little stars on my shoulder things? Like, give me the wheel. Yeah, give me the wheel. Elfie? No, absolutely not. This is so interesting because no. when I brought it up in the office earlier, so many people were saying, oh, God, yeah, yeah, I could land what? the plane. Who- thinks that. Also, can I say, on my first ever driving lesson, I was learning to drive a manual car and my dad took me over a roundabout and I immediately crashed his car and (laughs) wrote it off. So (laughs) I wrote off his car within 15 minutes. And so I think you shouldn't trust me behind any wheel. That's so funny. We've got so many messages coming through. Someone says, I asked four male co-workers if they could land a plane. All four of them said with confidence they could fully land and a passenger plane with no assistance. Oh, they're too busy what thinking about the Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, in this research that was done, the people that said they could do it, they said they could do it with the help of air traffic control. Okay. Which might make a bit of a difference, but still very challenging. Dominic from Byron Bay says, as someone who has had flying lessons, I could guarantee that landing a small plane with no experience would not be possible. Okay, someone else says there's a saying amongst pilots, a good landing is one you can walk away from. A great landing is one after which you can use the plane again. That was from Bart. (laughs) Okay. There are so (laughs) many buttons, though, in that cockpit. Yeah, there are. And apparently there are pedals. Well, Who my, thought you had used Are you pedals? telling me that they're just like... Yeah, like, they go for it. Pretty the plane the whole time. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I'm looking out at this radio panel now and thinking it's quite complicated. There's a lot of buttons here. It's mm-hmm. probably a very similar setup. Maybe I could do it. Someone else says flight simulator. Easy, yeah. I played that a lot as a kid. Another person says I've tried to land a plane and crashed. It was a Qantas plane simulation, though. Nicole, don't do that. Mm. Don't bait us on the text line. Gus says, sheep shearing is a job a lot of people think they can do. They don't realise how hard it is. Eight hours of day, back-breaking work, and can leave permanent damage on your body. You know what, Gus? Completely agree with you. Got some family that were shearers, and it's a very gruelling job. We're going to go to Dylan now. Dylan, what do you reckon? Do you reckon you could land a plane? Oh, I reckon I could do it, no problems, man. I've played plenty of flight simulators. <laughs> you reckon you're all good? Yeah, and you would you be would you be a bit nervous about it? You're sounding like you're ready to go now, actually. 
Qantas, oh, you're listening? Sure. Get me in a plane and I'll land it. Okay. And have you ever wanted to become a pilot or anything like that? I, when I was younger, I thought about joining the Air Force. What gives you the confidence, though? That's what I want to know, Dylan. Where do all this? Do you feel like this with everything? Are you like, oh, I could do that? Oh, definitely, man. Everything. <laughs> you got to. You got to. You got to back yourself. That's it. Interesting. All right, Dylan, thanks for calling in. Glad. Hope you're on my flight. If something ever goes wrong with the pilot, want you there. Steve from Canberra says, I'm a meteorologist and everyone thinks that they can do a better job than me or that I just guess the forecast. That's interesting. People, Don't they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Elfie, starting they wars. They absolutely just have a spinning no. wheel. Like, uh, we love our rainy. meteorologists. We rely on them so much. Another person says, yes, so long as air traffic control can talk me through what needs to be done. Another study that was out, we don't have much time left, but one in eight British men, this was a few years ago, believed that they could take a point off Serena Williams in a tennis match. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> there was another one this year. 8% of US men think that they could fist fight a lion successfully. Okay. Is Let it, them. <laughs> is it something to do? Is it American people in particular who have this confidence? You were just there, Christian. What they, do you think? They they do have a lot of like gusto and confidence behind a lot of the things that they do. Yeah. So yeah, I accept that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I don't know. I I'm, I kind of admire the confidence because producer Hannah was saying yeah. it earlier. She's like, oh, I could do that. Yeah, just throw it at me. And I just Throw thought, yeah. <laughs> Someone on the text line, I'm a cook on a cattle station in far north Queensland. Everyone here thinks my job's easy, but the fact is I could do their job. None of them could do mine. Ah, Jess in Melbourne says, I'm a mechanic and some people say no to some prices, saying they'll do the work themselves. I get cars on tow trucks constantly from people stuffing up their small jobs. Mm. Lots of comments on this one. Hey, big thanks to the Shake Up crew. That's all we've got time for. Christian Wilkins and Elfie Scott. Christian, thank you. Thank you. This is such a great day. Aw, thank you, Elfie. Thank you so much. Hack on Triple Jack. And that's all we've got time for on the Shake Up and the Hack podcast for this week. It's been a fun few days. I'll catch you after the weekend. See you then. Bye. Dee Salmon here, sliding into your podcast feed to let you know that the Hookup podcast has all the sex and relationship content you need. Honestly, you need us in your life. Join us each week as we talk all things love and f***ing like this. Foreplay is also there so that you have great sex. Like I don't know about anyone who's given themselves an orgasm in two minutes. Like it's fine. It's the fast food of orgasms. That's the hookup. If you like hack, you'll love us. Get us wherever you get your pods.